Coastal Cobras. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I did not mean that to be offensive to the Cobras in any way, shape, or form. I just felt like with the times, it was appropriate to make that remark, regardless of who lost the World Series. It only seemed fair. So, Drew, Cobra Nation, I'm sorry for that one, but it had to be done. Had to be done. And Anyway, guys, this is going to be a jam-packed episode. Um, To my right here, Kyle Schultz joining us for the first time in months. So give a round of applause for Mr. Kamish. Jack across from me, as always. Thanks for coming on, Jack. And several Cobras will be joining tonight. I think we got BN lined up, Davis, and then two D-backs later in this show. So jam-packed Pipe It Up episode, probably the most jam-packed in the history. What's our record for guests, Jack, you think, in one night? I definitely think this is going to be a record breaker for sure. Three of us. Party down here. Three of us, three Cobs, two D-backs. What is that? Eight? Eight people on the pod tonight? I think that is a Pipe It Up record officially. (laughs) It's got to be. Got to be a record, but lots to talk about, right? I mean, the season's over. World Series concluded. Downtown Diamondbacks are your 2022 World Series champions. Back-to-back titles for them. And um, just not the series I think a lot of us expected. Um, I know I was not surprised that the D-backs won necessarily, but I was kind of surprised in the manner in in which they won, for sure. Mm -hmm. So Definitely. It was interesting because, like, watching the the games back, um, you would, if you looked at the numbers, like, you would have said that the Cobras probably would have been the favorite, honestly, like, going into the series. They mm-hmm. were the one seed. They, uh, they, they beat the Diamondbacks in the regular season. You know, they had a better overall record going into the series. But it just felt like throughout the whole series, like, it was the other way around. Like, it was kind of like, could the Cobras, like, keep up with the Diamondbacks? And, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, obviously, we saw that they just, they... You know, they fought hard, I will say. The Cobras, they like, did. they they didn't give up. Like, I like that Drew kind of got, you know, some of his guys got Gus in there at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought that was cool. But, um, like, you know, hats off to the Cobras. Good season. It is what it is. It's tough to go out with a sweep, like, in any series, let alone the World Series. But um, I still think they, like, they deserve to be there. Yeah, I and, do, too. Uh, and they For fought sure. hard. They, they earned their spot. And mm-hmm. I don't want to talk too much today um, I want to give the chance for the players to speak mm-hmm. on what happened and what they thought of the series. But I think for me, just like my first initial thoughts as to what went wrong for the Cobras, I think was mostly the the pitching for Baranowski was not up to where he had been the entire year. The Cobras' yeah. offense wasn't that great all season long. They got big hits from Drew from time to time, Sean Flynn, Andy, Sawyer. Guys stepped up, but usually because they had a zero on the board for the opposite team, right? They were never a team to generate a bunch of runs in, in one game and win in an offensive battle. Yeah. So I think... With that being said, if they were going to have a shot at winning this series, they needed to really put some shutouts up for the D-backs. Even in that game three, I felt at least like it was the first time where, um, maybe not the first time that Bean struggled to locate that drop ball, but it was definitely the most wild. Like he kind of had more walks than I felt mm-hmm. like he had in any other game. Tough in this spot series. to be in. It was a tough spot, of course, but like you said, you know. Even Barron was playing like a little bit below what his regular season statistics, I guess, would say, which had been the formula for the Cobras to get there. Mm-hmm. So once those, you know, weren't really the same, then it's kind. Of, then you get this result. Yeah. So yeah, unfortunate. I feel really bad for you know the Cobras players, Drew especially. Cobra yep. fans, I know, have been through a lot over the yeah. years, taken a lot of criticism, and they've defended Drew and all this stuff. But I really don't think this series like 
goes to Drew's fault at all. It was a team loss. It was. Yeah, for um, sure. And it wasn't like they got blown out. Yes, I mean, Drew was Drew was given everything he got. The kid just, I know. The kid just has beef with fences or something. He's <laughs> he's running. He's jumping over them. I he's jumping into them. He does not know pain. No, he doesn't. <laughs> and I don't. Yeah, I think he's got beef with fences for some reason. But yeah, he, he, he gave it his all. He did. He did. And um, once again, I talked about the executing thing. The Cobras just didn't execute in this series. And they didn't lose by big margins by any means. Um, very, very easily this series could have been tied at one. That was mm-hmm. kind of the turning point of the whole thing was the North walk-off home run. And if you guys have been following along with um, some of the posts I've been doing on TikTok on our MLW account, I kind of talked about the approach there. But that was really nitpicking Barron's performance, you know, and really analyzing every single at-bat. But North's just a good player. That, yeah. That's really all it comes down to. But we're going to get some, some of the Cobras players on now and um, break down what they thought went wrong. The Cobras are here. They have joined us. And uh, probably not in the best of moods right now, of course, as they had to relive their World Series loss via the YouTube videos this weekend. But we appreciate them jumping on and talking to the fans and Pipe It Up. Sawyer and Drew, thank you. And Drew, I'm going to just give you the floor here, man. I know you're a guy who likes to talk, likes to ramble. The podcast viewers love that. So um, just give me the rundown of what's going through your mind here uh, post-World Series. Um, well, obviously for us, it's like weird because it was kind of a while ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, sometimes you were like, there were parts of each game that, like I thought, didn't like I don't even remember happening, or I thought happened in different games. Um, so that was kind of like weird to watch. But obviously, I don't know. Like I feel like a younger Drew might have gotten a lot more emotionally charged after watching his team lose a World Series. But it was, I mean, it was cool. I mean, it was a different kind of World Series. I mean, like we got to go to California, so it's like a little bit different of an experience. Like, I feel like there's almost less sting because it wasn't just like another World Series. Like, we were on a bigger stage and meant more than just winning like a World Series. You know what I mean? Like, it was more, it meant more for the league than just us winning. So, like, obviously, we would have loved to, to win it. But at the same time, it was kind of just like cool to be part of something like, I mean, only two teams got part of that. And so it was just cool to be one of those two teams. I don't know. I feel like people are, I feel like a lot of people are expecting me to be like, like so upset and so like emotional about it. Mm-hmm. But I, don't know, I feel like in my olden age, in my, now that I've grown, Look at Drew. Like, this is why you made it in, so far. Cause you've matured <laughs> in my olden age. I've much less, emotionally charged about it like it was kind of just a cool experience to uh to be i mean there's parts of it watching back like that hurt more like there's some decisions that i wish i would have done differently um but at the end of the day like hindsight's 2020 thing also is is like i know like i know for a fact that uh, not just me but like everyone like i we i think we definitely like had our worst series performance wise like we just ran into a truck and uh but like I know for a fact that like everyone there gave more than a hundred percent. Like I think you could I think it was very apparent that we left it all out on the field. So I'm not like I think there's some some decisions that we could have done differently, but like effort wise, there was no lack of effort. No, I could see that. And and I will defend you, Drew. I know people are like, What do you mean you're still happy you made it? Like you didn't win the World Series. Um it was definitely an achievement to make it there this year. I think Kyle would agree as a commissioner, like seeing the players that got there and how intense it was to get there. That was like 
those championship series were a World Series of, of their own, right? Yeah, that was awesome just ha- ha- having you guys there, Drew, and, and for you guys to make it there for your first time since 2017, I thought it was truly special, and it, it was a truly a new surge for you guys, too. Like, it's a new look. It's got Baranowski. It's got BN. Both of your draft picks, um, I think that should be something that you should be very proud of, and uh, I think, yeah, you, guys I are, think you, like, you guys are looking really good moving forward. I think the thing I'm most proud of with our team is, like, I think, like, our team is very different in how we, like, got to the World Series. Like, I feel like usually teams have that one player who's like a superstar or two players that are superstars and just are a force to be reckoned with. And like, I feel like a lot of people, when they look at our teams, like I know like even just looking through like the YouTube comments or the Instagram comments or the discord and things like that, like people are almost like, they don't really know how we made it, like with how close the Pred series was and things like that. And like, I think we just grinded out wins. Like mm-hmm. we just like, we never had like a superstar. Like we don't have the Norp. We don't have the Ryan Cratch or the, Roadways with the Kyle Schultz, anything like that. Like we just, we just grinded out wins. Drew like, Davis, it's a good solid yeah. squad right there. And Drew, I don't know if you saw, but in the uh, post game graphic, um, I put a label that said um, your twelve wins this year. This year were a uh, single season record for the Coastal Cobras organization. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see that. I yeah, did see so, it. Yeah, I think like, that goes to show you just how successful the season was for you guys. Exactly, and also just like I mean, I think we are projected to be like third place team, if even the third place team in the American League. So like. I don't think anyone is expecting us to win the AL for sure. And then to make it to the world series. I mean, like it was crazy. Cause like we were the number one week. We, we, all we did was win all year. And like every time we went to a big series, I feel like we were the underdogs, like going into the Pred series in the ALCS, like everyone thought we were the underdogs and going into the diamondback series because they were so hot in the playoffs. Like we, they were the favorites. So I think it was just like, it was weird. It was a weird, like dynamic for our team this year. Yep. So, Drew, do you think going into the World Series, like you mentioned, kind of feeling like underdogs at point throughout the year, but, you know, we I just kind of mentioned it earlier when we started the podcast that uh, looking at the records and numbers-wise, it seems like you guys probably would have actually been the favorite. Um, but, like, watching the videos of the World Series, I didn't really feel that way. So how did you guys feel as a team? I mean, I didn't. Me personally, I don't. I can't speak for the rest of the players on the team. I I feel like Sawyer probably feels the same as me. But like, I didn't. I didn't feel like we were underdogs. Like, I felt confident going in. I mean, obviously, like we ended up losing, so maybe I shouldn't have been as confident. But I was confident going in. I didn't feel like we were underdogs, but I could see how like people, um, like on the outside viewing, even though like we were, we did have the numbers and we had the wins and stuff like that. Um, with how hot the D-backs were in the in the playoffs. Um, like I think it, I think there are people who, who probably, I think it probably went both ways. Like, I think there are probably people who said the Cobras were the favorites and I didn't, I don't think I heard your guys' uh, predictions when you, when the, when the world series came out, I we know that like, 50, I 50. okay. Yeah. So like, I think like when you have like Jonah and Jimmy yeah. the way they were, I think it can be like, it can be kind of easy to like see them as the favorites as well, like with how well they were playing. Okay, now Sawyer, I know your perspective for this series was a lot different because it was your first ever MLW season, first ever World Series. The stage was incredible. So I don't know, how do you sum it up from your perspective, from the rookie standpoint? Just the entire trip was just an, an amazing experience because I still remember when we got on that Zoom call, like to talk about SoFi and how Kyle was saying, like this is gonna be huge. And at this point, we're I think we're third in the league. Like we, it was right after the Magic series, and like Kyle was saying, this is like. I mean, we're going to put up a fight, but I don't think we're going to get there. Then once, like, we won the, the AL, I'm like, we might actually get here. 
And then going there and just in itself was an amazing experience. Like just getting to play there, pitch there was awesome. But then the series itself, like Drew said, I was watching those games. There were like things that were said and things that happened that I don't even remember happening. Like, especially in game two, when Jimmy hit the walk off and he ran around the bases saying, keep playing that way. I never remember. Like, I did not hear him. <laughs> I, I didn't know that happened until I watched the video. Yeah, for the record, Sawyer yeah. and Drew, I didn't even know that happened until I was editing. So there's a lot of things that were going back and forth that I didn't even know happened. I think I was like, the only was, one who noticed that. I was face down in the turf after trying to dive over the fence, so I didn't hear. Yeah, Drew went yeah, flying was, again. <laughs> but, like, I was watching that. I was like, he really said that because we stood higher in the box? Like, uh-huh. because if you guys didn't know what Jimmy was, like, referring to – it's because when you're facing Jimmy, he has that slider that's, like, really good. But that's his main pitch, you know, and you know he's going to dig into it a lot. But the problem is it's just so freaking good. So Drew comes up to me during game two, and he's like, we got to stand higher in the box because that thing has such late break. And it, we weren't even crowding the plate. We were just standing towards the front of the batter's box, like not over the plate, like closer to Jimmy. Because that slider, when it comes in, for it to hit inside, it has to come through that batter's box. And Jimmy just couldn't hit that. And he was getting so frustrated with us about, like, that whole thing. So when he's running around the bases, I the only thing I remember him saying was, I'm still that guy. And I didn't even <laughs> hear that. Video. Like, I mean, I will give credit where credit's due to the D-backs. Like, playing them in Vermont and playing them in L.A. were two completely different series. Like, two they battles got so, for the ages. Oh, yeah, and they got so hot so late. Like, they were hitting everything. Like, it was a tough – like, it was tough to pitch to everyone because usually, like, when you're throwing, you're trying to pick apart the lineup. But all of them went deep off of really competitive pitching. Like, like Jimmy almost took me deep on my on my drop ball, but Drew crashed into the fence and robbed that one. Like, <laughs> the the only reason that I think that we that we couldn't put up more of a fight was just our bats weren't going enough to – and that's the story of our whole year. Like we've always had the pitching with Baron to keep us in games, but we've never really been that high scoring team. A lot of our games have been like one, two, nothing mm-hmm. wins and losses because, you know, like we've gotten, we've managed to win just because of how good Baron's been. But like that series showed that we still need to, you know, get our bats going and we just, we couldn't get them going. So if I, could go, if I could go back, I would have had Baron in the lineup in game three. For Sean, you mentioned that there might have been some other things that you would have done a little bit differently, Drew. You want to maybe elaborate on some of those as well? I think there's just two things managerially I would have done. I don't know if that's a word, um, but I think we'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. <laughs> I don't have a great history either, Drew. So we'll give it to you. I think there's two things. There's two main things um, that would have done differently. I, th- I would have had like just watching the the swing that Baron put on that even though he hit a line drive and got out, mm-hmm. like it was so much more of a competitive swing than I think the rest of us were putting on the pitches. And like, normally I'd want to have a lefty up against a, someone who, who is a slider heavy. But like you said, like when he, when he was locating it that outside, like it was just like almost impossible for um, Sean to get there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think like Baron sliders very well, just from his, from KWL. I feel like every time I see a clip of him hitting a homer in KWL, it's a slider. So I think that's the one decision I would have done. The second decision I would have done, uh, no offense while well, Sawyer's here, but <laughs> when in yeah, the last spade spade. in the last inning when 
um it was the it was the at bat right before the ground ball went through my legs i talked to sean about putting we like we all we talked about bearing in and i respected the way well i liked how sawyer was confident in himself and wanted to stay in but i do wish that i think it i think at that moment it was the right time to put baron in but mm-hmm. like it's 2020 like who knows baron could have gone in done the same thing like i I could have gotten that ground ball and maybe things don't spiral. Like it, it's, it's a guessing game. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's so hard to look on. back at and, and analyze. And I think like people are probably trying to f- see from Drew's perspective right now. Um, Drew mentioned a good point about how, you know, it's different when some time has passed now and he's had time to reflect on this, but I'm sure Drew, you would have not been in this light of a mood and this clear of your head would not have been this clear if it had been, let's say three days after the world series, like the, like the fans just saw it. Right. Because I know for me, like when we lost our series against the D-backs, like for those first couple of days, I was pretty bummed out. But then by the time the podcast came around to talk about it, then I was like more ready to speak on it and, and reflect. Yeah, I think it's different when like, like even though I thought it was a closer series than us getting swept, like we did get swept. So like when you're look, when you are looking back at it like a day afterwards, you can't be like, oh, well, if we just would have got this one hit and won this one game, we would have won it. Like it's not like we went mm-hmm. to a game five and it was like, we had one error that we lost a game on. Like we didn't even win a game. So like, it was hard for me like three days after to even be like, I feel like when it's a close series, you're almost more heartbroken. Cause you, you, you go back and you pick apart every little thing where it's like, Oh, if we just would have done this, this would have happened. Maybe we would have won. But when you get swept, it's like, it's almost like you can't even do that. Cause there, there, there's not even enough to pick apart because you just, you, you lost three to zero. Like you didn't even win a game. So it's like, you know, I don't know if you know what I'm trying to say, but I, I, that's what I'm trying to to get across. Like, it was almost you. like hard. It was almost hard for me to even be like super heartbroken about it because it was like we just lost. Like, we just like there's no ifs and or buts about it. Like, we just lost. Yeah, Drew. As a historian of this league, it reminds me a lot about the Eagles and how they felt after 2019. I'm not sure if you remember that series, but it was a sweep. But yeah. it, it didn't feel yeah, like yeah, a sweep. Yeah. Every single one of those games was extra innings and. Um, game three was seven innings and walk-off home run. So I bet if you ask Daniel yeah. today, it, he's probably feeling the same way that uh, uh, you feel now. Um, it was just such a competitive series that there had to be a winner. And like you said, there was it was three losses and it was just happened to be consecutive. Yeah, I think, um, you know, although the end result of the World Series might be a little bit disappointing for the Cobras organization and Cobras fans, obviously, I think that, you know, we like to also talk about some positive stuff on the Pipe It Up podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think at least personally in my time in the league, watching the Cobras, watching you grow as a manager, Drew, I think this was a very large stepping stone for the Cobras organization. You know, after uh, twenty the 2017 World Series, was it with the Mallards? Yep. So after that, um, I feel like you, you guys always kind of had this, you know, uh, shadow almost like over the Cobras where it's like you got so close and now it's you know you're never going to get there again but you guys proved that you can at least get to that spot again especially in a year where I think no one really expected that of you guys I know that the Diamondbacks won but I still think you guys and the Eagles are one of the deepest teams like two of the deepest teams in the league especially talking about pitching and so I think you guys have a lot to build on going forward playing as, as a fellow manager in the AL, um, I'd be shocked if I 
or I would be lying if I said that, you know, I wasn't a little bit worried like about playing the Cobras next year. I think that's mm-hmm. just a fact. So, um, some of your guys is hitting woes. I can relate to that a little bit, but I do think, you know, I've seen a lot of growth, uh, in you drew as a manager in the Cobras organization as a whole, you know, coming from a fellow manager. I think you guys would also, you know, 100%. agree on that. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, Drew, I have a couple of things I want to praise you on. Uh, the first one has to do with the World Series and um, getting up in the box against Norp Slider. For the fans that, um, you know, are following along, that's a fully legal move. And I think it was a smart move by you to take away that slider and have uh, Norp beat you with other pitches and um, take that away from his game. But more, more broadly, this entire season, you, better than any manager, utilized the DH rule better than anyone. Um, back in February and March, we, we actually introduced that to MLW where your pitcher, um, he doesn't need a hit. And you utilize that perfectly with BN and Baranowski this year and, you know, led you to the World Series. So I just want to praise you on that move. And um, you are definitely a manager of the year candidate coming into this offseason. And I thought you guys had a, a great season. I, I want to add real quick, yeah, in case that wasn't clear. So um, just to reiterate on the whole situation with the Jimmy talking thing and Kyle talking about the slider moving up in the box. So the situation there is, of course, hitters are entitled to the batter's box, right? You can't intentionally impede the path of a pitch, but you can stand your ground in the box. So because, as you guys saw to Sean Flynn, Jimmy's slider was so, so drastic that like he couldn't physically throw it to righties without hitting them, especially when they moved up in the box towards the pitcher. It wasn't like Drew or Sawyer were leaning into the pitch. They were just standing in a different position in the box and letting it hit them. And Jimmy was getting frustrated by it because, you know, it's... I guess kind of a frowned upon move, but even guys in the MLB will do that. We saw that in the World Series this year with the Astros catcher. Um, and Jimmy Jimmy was just unable to adjust his slider to move less. It was so drastic that it was actually costing him, if that makes sense. So hopefully that's clear now. Did I explain that okay, Jack? Yeah, of course. Okay. It's a strategy move for sure. It's frustrating as a pitcher for sure because I've been there too where yeah. like, I've thrown a pitch I'm like, oh, that would have been a strike. And it's so frustrating, but you have to yeah, try to adjust all- it. Yeah, exactly. Like as pitchers, I mean, uh, I know you haven't pitched as much as me and Tom Jack, but like, I like everyone that's pitched a lot. Like, hey, hey, hang on, <laughs> duck, duck hook. <laughs> what I say? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Just giving you a hard time. <laughs> um, but like, I think like all of us that's pitched a lot, MLW has had at least one sh- moment where we've thrown a pitch where we thought it might get sneak in there, and it, or for it sure, the yeah. Pass- yeah, it's, it's part of the game. It's frustrating for sure. Yeah, I just didn't get like why it was like almost like he was like he wanted me to let him try to dominate me, and I was like, well, I'm not well, sure, like let- different hitters take different approaches at it. Like me, I'm a guy who likes to hit the slider, so I actually open up my stance, kind of like inviting pitchers, like, "Yo, prove me a slider right now." Like I dare you, and Kyle does that. Jordan Robles does that, but yeah, Jimmy's was so yeah. There you go. So it's just a different strategy. And I'm curious, Drew, when we have Jimmy on later on the show, I'll ask him about it and see if his opinion changes on the situation but jimmy's just a competitor dude i mean off the field me and jim are like best bros you know we're so friendly and we wish wish each other the best but on the field it's hostile yeah he's just a competitor and also as the ump i was watching too for elbows and leaning over the plate and if that was to happen like that's a strike obviously but that wasn't happening so yeah like you said tom the the cobras have every right to do what they did so yeah and and jimmy and i that's wiffle ball baby (laughs) jimmy and i still like agree to disagree on it to this day and i think like the thing i just told him was like Coming from, like, because the way he explained it was, like, well, in wiffle ball, like, I know balls move a lot, so I get out of the way of it if I think it's, like, going to hit the zone. To me, it's, like, coming from a baseball perspective. Like, I grew up playing base my whole life. Like, I never wanted to move out of the way of pitches because if it hit me, that's a free base. And I was never going to turn away from it because 
if it was a curveball and I buckled my knees and I looked like a fool, ever <laughs> I never wanted to look like a fool. So I always just stood my ground. And especially if it's a whistle ball, like you know, whistle ball is not going to hurt like a baseball. So I, I don't know. I just that was always my approach was just to stand my ground, force him to throw something outside because I don't like the ins- not only the inside pitch, but I don't like sliders. So that was just my point of view. But yeah, I'm sure he'll have a lot to say about it since we've disagreed a lot about it a few on a few occasions. But you know who would like this guy? Billy Bean. Guy gets on base. He does whatever he can to get on base. Exactly. That that was <laughs> that was the main. Thing. Like Jimmy told me, he goes. Well, I just like hitting a lot, so I don't know why you'd want to hit. And I say, you may like hitting, but I like getting on base. So, oh, Billy uh, Bean's loving it. Loving every bit of it. <laughs> I'd have one thing I'd want you to ask him, and I'm not trying to start something, but I generally want to. But you want us to ask this to Jimmy? Yes. Okay, shoot. I've seen like their whole, like the whole Diamondbacks, like their whole mantra this year has been, why not us? Mm-hmm. And I just like don't understand it because they were the World Series favorite. Like I know they started off badly. But it wasn't like any of their their star power left. Like they're the same returning World Series champion. Like to me, it's like if the if the Astros next year started off a little poor, and they mm-hmm. were just like, "Why not us? Like why can't we win the World Series?" It's I like, love it. Well, just because well, just you lowered the expectation bar doesn't mean that's where your expectations are. Like it, it's more like you just disappointed at the beginning of the season. But the expectation for them was still to be the World Series favorites. Mm-hmm. So I just never got that whole like mantra of why not us it's like nobody was discounting them at, like they were the world series favor so i just it just it just boggled my mind this is i'd the, love to hear opinion on it this is the drew davis that fans love right here yep always asking Stirring the pot asking the hard questions um drew i actually have one more thing i wanted to ask you before you take off um just how, how does it feel for you you know who had a phenomenal season um like kyle said you know a top candidate for manager of the year right now um has done a good job over the past few years developing the team developing as a player um, what's it like for you just reading some of the criticism that we see, you know, in our comments on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, that kind of stuff? You may be surprised to hear this, Tom, but I have actually not even ventured into the comment wow. section of YouTube since this is I the think, new Drew. Since, well, I, I did look at the comments for the for the Preds ALCS because I was feeling myself. <laughs> Truth comes but, out. But I have not, I didn't venture in. I mean, cause like, what good was that going to do? Like to me, like in my head, like I, in the past, I definitely would have, but like at this point, it's just like, what good would have gone from like going into the comments? I mean, this is a strange year for me because it's new drew 2022. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a strange year for me this year, because even though like Kyle said, like it was a good year for us and like performance wise, I had a pretty bad, I think it was like my second worst year. And but it, it never felt like that because I was having so much fun with our team and like we were doing well as a team. And I think like it's like, again, yeah, it's like the individual stats of every person on our team are like not that good, I don't think. But like we just like won games. So I think it was like this was a weird season for us because one, it's the most fun I've ever had just because I was able to let go of some of that stuff that might have angered me in the past. And I was just trying to enjoy it with our team. And um yeah, it was just like, like even though we lost the World Series and end the way we wanted to, I still look back at it as my favorite season ever. Like, even though there's been other seasons, like, I was the top three or four MVP candidate last year, and I had way more fun this year, despite us not winning the World Series. Like, and I think that goes to show, like, everything, how I view the season and stuff like that. I'm calling it, boys. Cobras Mallards 2023. Book it. That's the World Series. I'm liking this new Drew. <laughs> We'll but see. no, I, Drew. In, in all in all honesty and like in all seriousness, I think 
that the maturity that you're displaying when reflecting on your season and the way you manage the team this year is a big, if not like the biggest reason why you guys made the World Series this year. I know you got big contributions from the pitching staff, mostly Barron. Bean was great too. You hit the ball well. Sawyer stepped it up at the plate, but I'm not kidding. The way you've led this team this year has been uh, it's been commendable for sure. So. Thank you. It felt it was weird. We're proud of you. I, thanks. It was like weird. It was hard. It was really hard for me because and I think that's why I've like been able to look at it this way is because it was really hard for me to give up being the number one pitcher or even giving up being the number one hitter. I mean, Sawyer was probably our best hitter this year and most dangerous hitter. So it was weird to like let like I always in any sport have wanted to be the difference maker because I'm just that competitive. And so it was like very hard for me to like let go of that control and like put my trust in the Brendan and Sawyer and just let them do their thing and let them blossom into the, the stars like they are. Like every other year you would have seen my name is like the big name on the Cobras going to series. But like this year it's it's so apparent like in the editing because it's well deserved by Baron. Like when you go into the play like the World Series and stuff like that, Baron was the guy or um against the Preds, like Sawyer was the one everyone talked about, which I love that that they were able to take like they were able to fill expectations and even more and they didn't like shy away from it. Like they really grew into the superstars that I was hoping that they would, they would get into. And I'm glad that I can just kind of step back and take a more role player slash manager role. Um, Drew, thank you for joining us tonight. Um, great season for the Cobras. I do. I truly do mean that. Um, I don't think that people will remember in the long run, the sweep in the world series. I think this was an impressive run by the Cobras, a well-deserved run. And uh, I do have high hopes for this team in 2023. I really do. I I'm think excited. Your, your for, core is good, dedicated. I'm excited for Andy to finally get to play in the playoffs next year. That's also <laughs> a big factor. Andy True. can be clutch, so I do have that on my radar as well. But he's a big game right, player, big time player, making big time plays. So exactly. All right, we'll we'll see you later. All right, peace out, y'all. Peace. Thanks again to Drew and Sawyer for joining us on the call. Appreciate it. Great season for the Cobras. But now we wanted to switch gears here. And do a little bit of reflection on the season. Um, we are going to be joined by the D-backs in a little while, but just intermission, intermish with the commish. Just hey. coined it on the spot. That was pretty good, huh? Pretty good. I okay. liked it. All right. So Kyle, thanks for joining us again. Yep. First episode since Dude, Christmas. I think, I think it was the Christmas episode back in. Yeah, we're we gonna run that back this year. Way back, Christmas special. Yeah, that was fun. Might have that to. was fun. We got another holiday. Didn't this we week do like a top five, like like uh, we did like greatest of all time festivities and yeah, movies like all the different and, kind of stuff. Mm, that was fun. Um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. It's always fun having Kyle on, but it was definitely just so if you guys know that first part you listened to was a struggle for us. This me and yeah. Jack have been doing it just me and him in this new <laughs> studio for a long time, and adding the third person was a learning curve <laughs> for sure, especially with the new equipment. So it was a struggle to get through, but we're 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 pushing forward, we're soldiering on. So um, I wrote down some questions for Kyle. Should I just dive into this? Yeah, um, let's do it. Dive in, so diving in with the commish. Um, all right, I'm going to the YouTube editing sphere. Nice. Um, what video do you think was the biggest challenge for you this season? Ooh, biggest challenge is tough because it's like, do I want to consider like when I'm up against the clock, like trying to fit so much into a little amount of time or like, these are all factors. I know. Mm-hmm. Or, or just uh, things I've never experienced. Like, um, we can start in the beginning. Um, let's start with opening day. Something I, I, um, introduced that I never did before was like a hype video right after the anthem plays and I hire a voice actor and then it leads you into the, the player interviews and then first pitch. I wouldn't say that was the hardest, but that was something that was new to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I would actually say the hardest video for me. Was that the question? Hardest? just Biggest challenge, yeah. Biggest challenge? Okay. Biggest challenge. I think it'd be the mini MLB series. I think that was a 45-minute video or something. 
And again, I only have like four or five days to edit these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there was just so much in that video from from scoring the entire thing and and finding the right music for to fit the vibes of each field. And then when play- you say scoring, you mean the music, right? The music, yeah. Okay. The soundtrack. People might understand that. Right, right. And then, um, well, I mean, scoring. You talk about the, sc- <laughs> the score bug too. Yeah. Like I, I completely changed the graphics package, mm-hmm. and then we had intermissions, like little bits we filmed yep. in between those, and I believe. That was the video we edited. I edited right after we came back from LA. So it was kind of a almost yeah, like... Yeah, we knew that. I didn't have as much time as I would love to for that video. And when that video is 45 minutes and I'm exporting it in 30 uh, max BPS, whatever the thing is, that takes a long time to render and upload to YouTube. So I was really up against the clock in that one and I challenged myself just with the, the editing techniques, but I think it came out great. So that would be the biggest challenge. Well, we were lucky. Like we were mapping out the calendar and we realized like beforehand, like, okay, this one will go up the week after the world series trips like that was intentional because there was no way that could have happened the week of no way no way that was yeah we planned that what so like kind of staying a little bit on the the youtube i guess even more than just the youtube just mlw content in general you mentioned some of the like specific things that you changed in the videos but what were maybe some like more broad goals that you had for 2022 specifically based on like improving the content like because you I know you're always trying to improve the content that we're putting out and that's you know obviously just like getting better and constant improvements important so what were some of those goals yeah coming into the season I wanted this to be my most artistic season ever so techniques and more in-game breakdowns so if I saw something in real time that I thought would be cool to slow down the video and and dive deeper on so take like the uh, MLW pitch for pitch thing that we never used to do. I loved it. Fans yeah. love that. So that's something you, you know, previously nobody got to see. Um, also pitch tracking and, and home run trackers. People love that. Um, and it's just, you know, stopping, stopping videos and, and adding a snapshot effect and um, utilizing these cool moments to make it more of like a cinematic movie feel, I think was awesome. Um, so I, that was my, my goal coming into it was just to vaguely make it more artistic. And um, I think I, I think I accomplished that. I think one of the big improvements that I liked, I I told Kyle this throughout the year, was the, like the addition of the Ken Burns we used a lot. Yeah. So like Just I think the, fir- the, the first clip that I remember was the Baranowski play at third base. Yeah. Like you really slowed the play down, broke it down, had freeze frames, moved the camera frame. Like that was really cool. I thought so. If you guys go back and watch the Cobras Wildcats series regular season before the All Star break, mm-hmm. there's a play in Game Three in the third inning where Baranowski knocks the ball down, races to third, and beats the runner for the force out. And kind of watch how that play was edited. I thought that was really cool and like the start of introducing that more often it's kind of interesting how many things that you just mentioned that like you added or changed because even being a part of the league and like watching all the videos and talking about them i feel like i feel like there's some of these changes that i i noticed but but like didn't notice at the same time you know what i'm saying well, really, so is that something you, you should are, notice them too much well, that's, is that's that something you're yeah. kind of trying to do on yeah. purpose is like seamless. slowly that, yeah that's okay. a that's a huge compliment that it's yeah. seamless and that um you know, it's like a story. It's an overall story that we're trying to tell. Like, there's an intro and an outro, and all these little things that we're trying to tweak to making it a full-on, you know, comprehensive video. So I'm glad you noticed that. Yeah, for sure. Um, what do you, what do you think? Like now, where we're at, like we just play the World Series at SoFi. You know, that's probably you know something that you weren't even expecting to do. Um, but how did the 2022 season overall compare to? you know, where we're at right now with the, you know, the numbers wise and the analytics or whatever, like how did it compare to your preseason expectations? Honestly, 
not to sound like that guy, but it kind of met him. Like mm-hmm. the the trend that we saw last fall, we you know we got a TBS feature, and even Nike and Dick Sporting Goods is reaching out to us, and then. You know, we're, 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 we're talking with all these MLB guys coming into this season. It, it really felt like something was about to happen and like these mainstream things are going to be kind of a common occurrence. Like we, we've done a couple of things for Bleach Report now and um, we, we've just had these large um, organizations and teams reach out to us and, um, you know, sports centers and always are, are always in our DMs and wanting to feature our clips and stuff like that. So I felt like I felt like it was it was going to be another successful year. Um, but it's it's one thing for, to, to you know, to think that right and to execute and um actually you know go about beyond those expectations and for the sofi thing to come along our emails back in may me and tommy couldn't believe it and we just knew like it all made sense it was all lining up that we needed to put the world series there i listened to you guys episode a couple weeks ago i think it might have been last week where you talked about like it only made sense that we had to make that the world series and um you know it was was definitely a challenge i mean that took four plus months to coordinate but um because and we and the reason we put so much time towards that is because we know how that was gonna set us up for the future and how impactful that was for future videos and future events with, you know, possibly you know getting more stadiums and opening up to fans in the future and just being the uh, another turning point for MLW. Um, we we thought that was huge. That was the most hectic part was because that came together in the middle of the season. Like we didn't really have right. the off season to plan that. So. <laughs> It was, Which it was is when hectic. you guys do most of usually, your planning, yeah. usually. Like the Toledo so. thing, we already had down pat before the season started. No, Jack. We had already been to Toledo, I've to never, the stadium. I've never been it. more focused on completing and executing a project than the SoFi World Series. Oh, I'm sure. Like, like I, I t- every email I sent them, all 10 plus, 15 plus Zoom calls I did with their director of operations and group services employees, I'm like, I need to nail this Like every mm-hmm. time. Like, we just have to. Like, it'd be... Like, I, I would not... Uh, forgive myself if this like fell through so so what was that like I mean that you you know you've you've been in other positions where you might be speaking to people of like similar authority but was that sort of like a situation for you guys that was like you know you're almost pinching yourself or were you kind of going into it like we should be here like we deserve you know what I mean like you were confident yeah it's not too bad at all when you prepare a lot so Uh every time I'm on these calls with these you know big executives or you know these organizations that are you know first class I write a bunch of notes I know what I want to talk about know we we need to accomplish before the next call and then the next email so when you're prepared um it's a lot easier as opposed to when you're just going in cold um, time would probably say the same say the same thing but um I just think that the Toledo thing prepared us a lot it did that was a good thing in hindsight. Shout out to Troy from Toledo Mudhands. That was a huge stepping stone, honestly. Um, and that wasn't even a completed idea until I want to say April. Yeah, before like the that, season. Before the season. So that Toledo Mudhands fifth, third field um, game, that was a huge stepping stone this year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it'd be different of like if one of you guys is a wiffle ball league out there and then had to try to jump on the phone with SoFi Stadium employees and coordinate a series, it'd be more of a challenge for you guys. But, you know, we've been doing this for several years now, so it's not too too bad i mean it's definitely there's different levels to it right but you know as you continue to now we feel like pros now we feel like we can talk to anybody right yeah. that's how yeah, you feel yeah. yeah for sure i think you guys should i think that's good you know like you you got to be confident right but i agree with you kyle that confidence comes from preparation like if you aren't prepared you're not gonna be you're gonna be way more nervous if you know going into it doesn't even it can be any situation yeah. it could be a, a it could be a wiffle ball game you know what i mean <laughs> if you're not prepared you're gonna you're just not gonna perform as well. and they notice it too when you come to them with an entire blueprint of what the wiffle ball field is gonna look like and where all that equipment is coming from and who's bringing it in and who's bringing it out then they're like okay these kids know what they're what they're doing they give you more freedom out there um, right you know they don't have to be all like, we are not kids 
we are men. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have to. They don't have to babysit you guys. And um, they, it was really cool just to see um, that relationship grow with SoFi Stadium all throughout the past four or five months. All right, back to the videos. Yeah. What video do you think was the most fun to edit? Oh goodness! Let me bring up the whole list. Most fun, honestly. The World Series videos were every fun. single Magic video. I, I would I would have thought you would have said the World Series trailer. That was pretty fun. Although I I feel like I could have done stuff better in that video. And you'll find. I mean, this is a theme with all the videos you talked to me about. I'll, I was gonna I'll, say. I'll, I'll feel like you probably say that about every single vi- video. It's always a time crunch. I really it. liked um just treating like game one of the World Series like it was like the Super Bowl. <laughs> so like players running out of the tunnel and then the, I love the national that. anthem I love and that. then like That's so sick. Like uh like the cannon sound effects going off as yeah. like the covers and then snapshot. I had a lot of fun with that one. Well, I have, I have a quick question about the so like you made you had a couple calls that you that were reviewed and you came like in front of the camera yeah. to give the you know announcement but like the audio was different like yeah, it I sounded put a, I put a reverb on that okay so like stadium it, reverb I was uh, gonna say it literally sounded speaker. like you were you like the announcer in the stadium like that's what it sounded like I though. have a fun fact awesome. about this I didn't know it worked that I have a fun well. fact. Uh, I don't know. I think Jack's just easy audience. I don't know. <laughs> I, maybe I'm a sucker. Maybe that's, I don't that's know. good. No, like, it tells me I did my job. I, like, I could tell you were going for something, and that's like no, that, that's kind of what it seemed well, like a little I, bit. I have a fun fact about this. I, I didn't realize this until we were there. But so day two when we were wrapping up, they had, I don't know what the proper title would be, but the woman they have that kind of performs and announces like the, during the game, like activities that are shown on the scoreboard, like the... Like the shuffle, it's the game host, or, yeah, the mm-hmm. game okay. host, the game host, sure, yeah. Um, so that she was practicing her lines, reading through the script mm-hmm. over the loudspeaker. When you were on the field at SoFi, like I couldn't understand a word she was saying, no. and I'm like, the echo like, is I'm insane. like, what's I'm like, what's going on with this microphone? Like I can't understand a word she's saying. Then we went up to the top to do that Crystal that clear. last little recording we did at the end of the right. video, and it's crisp. Huh. So it's the way it's designed. Yeah, like when you're in your seat, it's money. Yeah. But when you're on that field, you can't understand a word they're saying. It's just wah wah wah. It's Charlie Brown on the phone. Yeah. Like you can't hear anything. No, Jack, that's another cool tidbit too that we got to experience too. Is like the Rams operations team work on that mm-hmm. Wednesday and Thursday. Like we saw, like the the reporters practice their lines. We saw the graphics team practice what the the graphics are going to look like, and they had hype videos they were practicing out. So I mean, that's like experience that not a lot of people get. So I have some videos of that I could post. On I'm the sure that was so cool. I feel like like. I definitely feel like I do, but other people just kind of take like sports production and stuff like that a little bit for granted. Like all the work that the broadcasters do, that yeah. the reporters do, mm-hmm. that the camera people, the crews do, you know what I'm saying? The people who get the stadium ready for the game, you know what I mean? Well, plus, like there's so much work that level. goes into it every single week. Cause like most, I shouldn't say most, but you know, a lot of the stadiums just have, you know, one or two large scoreboards that they're putting graphics on stuff like that. But yeah. there is like, that place is so digitized. Like the throughout infinity every, board. Yeah, there's the infinity board up top. Plus, like, there's probably like four or five different levels to that stadium, and each level has its own like LED screen around the whole thing. So then all those are in coordination too with yep. the infinity board. It's like it's insane. It's a full like light show in there when they're doing Wild. their prep, their like hype videos and stuff. Concert in there would probably be nuts. It'd be super cool yeah. for sure. I could imagine Dude, that. It honestly hasn't even set in. Like we're the first league to host a wiffle ball series at SoFi Stadium. Like that stadium's gonna be around. For a long time, and that, oh, yeah. that is going to be North like has the f- unofficial first home run at SoFi, dude. <laughs> that'll never change. Like that's like <laughs> that's, that's going to be a Los Angeles staple, and who knows like what kind of events are going to be there in the future. And for them, like they what were they open in twenty twenty mm-hmm. for us? They already had a Super Bowl, brand new, and yeah. For us, um, like uh, I honestly, think the sticker was still on it when you guys yeah. walked in, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I may have it's walked crazy. in parts of that stadium that no one else has been in for all we know. Oh, but guys, I I seriously still can't believe that we did that, but. 
Glad we did. Yeah. It, it was weird. Like, like flying home and getting home, it was weird. Like, did that actually just happen? It was such a whirlwind, and I was so, like, nervous about the whole thing. <laughs> just getting it done. Like, Dude, I was so happy. Standing on the 48-yard line, I couldn't even think about what was going on in the game. Like, I was just, my my calls were basically on instinct. Like, I'm just basically making sure Daniel and Brendan were good with the cameras, and you were good mm-hmm. with the alt cam. And, like, when I saw something happen, it was just off instinct. I don't know what to say out there. I was just standing, at the, standing on the field with, like, 70,000 seats mm-hmm. around me. Like, jeez, how, so, how are we even here? So, uh... Brendan and uh, Dan were there, obviously, but they did a great job. You, you want to talk about any uh, any other people that were like brought along to help? Oh yeah, uh, first and foremost, uh, Brendan Baker. The photos that you guys have seen on Instagram have been phenomenal. Um, he's a phenomenal photographer, and he kind of fell right into our lap. He was Jason Chadwick's friend at uh, Adrian College, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think he knows like Curdy and all them too. So. Um, he took phenomenal pictures with us. Um, even Trey's aunt, she, uh, she was there. She took photos for us. Uh, my dad was there, helped drive around people. Um, always, always the goat. And then, um, yeah, Brennan and Daniel did a phenomenal job of filming. And um, Tommy did a phenomenal job filming and yeah. pregame analysis, postgame analysis. And um, I think that was it, right? It was about 14 people there total. For our career, 15, 15, maybe 16 people total on the MLW entourage. So a lot. we killed it. The big, it was our biggest trip ever. It was. So, that's a lot. Lots to manage. I had to babysit a little bit, but we got it done. <laughs> yeah, we there was a rule where it's like nobody leaves the group. Like, yeah. we're in LA right now and don't leave the group. <laughs> There's a lot of distractions out buddy here. Buddy system. <laughs> yeah, it was a buddy system for sure. What do you think the highlight of the whole trip was? Um, highlight of the trip, honestly, I think an underrated part of the trip was... Um, going out to Santa Monica and Hollywood Boulevard nice. and just chilling with the boys and just taking it all in that like we're we're here in LA somewhere MLW has not been yet and that final day we're in and out and we're just eating about to go back to the airport and when it's like in and out. when it's really settling in that's like wow we really just accomplished that like mm-hmm. I almost that was, I almost shut it down. I almost shut it the best feeling of the trip for yeah. sure it was like even exiting I was I was eating with like Drew and even he was smiling too after just getting swept too yeah. like we were having a great time and. What do you guys think of L.A. just, like, as a city? Because I honestly don't know if I've ever heard anything good about that city. Like, no offense to anyone that <laughs> lives in L.A. or lives around it, but I just, I, and maybe I'm just biased by stuff I read, like, in the news or whatever, but I just don't know if I have heard, like, positive things about it very much. Other than their stadiums are very cool. I'll go first. I feel like for us, Tom, we kind of got a weird perception of it because we only went to Hollywood Boulevard and Santa Monica, which are like two huge tourist traps. Right. So you're, you got a bunch of crazy people out there. You got a bunch of people just taking pictures and, right. um, but for, I mean, the weather is perfect and people were nice that we saw and stuff. So I, I had no problems with it. Yeah. I'm be honest, Jack. I don't understand the people that travel for a weekend. Be like, I don't like this city versus that city or blah, blah, blah. It's yeah. like, I don't know. I, I right. I uh, I went there with one mission in mind, which was to film it so far and get that done. It was so very business oriented. Was just, yeah, it was just a blur. Like I couldn't even focus at the dinner. Like the night before the series, I was just like so amped and ready to shoot. Has, Makes sense. has Tommy ever told you who I saw in the airport, Jack? I don't think so. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't get to. I saw Dixie D'Amelio at the airport. <laughs> Allegedly, Isn't that weird. Can't confirm that. No, it's not confirmed. It's a TikToker. Oh, you don't know I'm, Dixie D'Amelio? Jack's I'm just not in the not loop. Wow. I'm gonna be, I'm, <laughs> no, that's really that you're tuned I'm, out. I don't go on TikTok. I didn't either, I but I felt TikTok, like I was. Yeah. I felt like me not being stubborn. I felt like me being stubborn about TikTok like was bad. I was like, I need to be on TikTok. Come on, like that's our and, brand. So yeah, like, last it's year just, it came around. It's a uh, like I'm on like other social medias, and there that's like um like you're just getting old. Plenty that's, of distractions and like yeah, you guys are you're like you guys Daniel's do social TikTok. media basically as your there, job. Yeah. So like. 
TikTok is, you know. It's funny when I put that in the group chat and Sean's like, go back, get a picture, follow her. <laughs> it's like, bro, she passed. I'm not going to go uh, walk up to her. I didn't see anybody. No. Um, I, so, I mean, we obviously talked about, you know, all, all these positive things that happened in 2022. Um, but along the theme of just like constantly improving and continuing to advance, what do you think is one of maybe the biggest areas of improvement for MLW just as a whole? And Tommy, maybe you could, if you had anything in mind too. I mean, I got a whole document. Tommy, you want to lead this off though? On the surface, it's just always trying to, I think I kind of talked about like this, how the, I talked about how the Oklahoma series kind of like opened up the door of like doing the out of state stuff. People like to see Mm -hmm. like a different version of your content, but keeping the roots the exact same. Yep. I think that's how we keep improving. It's just like um, making what we already have in place more efficient and more like innovative and and more exciting. So it's not like changing anything at its core, but in terms of the content, it's just like figuring out how do we, what small changes, what small tweaks do we make that make the world of a difference in the long run? I think that's what needs to be improved. Like it's just always improving. Yeah. I think that's a great point, Tom. Um, Anything to make our uh, highlight videos better and YouTube channel better and just tiny tweaks in the intro, outro, graphics, um, overall storytelling of our videos. Yeah, that's think, a good word, storytelling. Right, I think is, is the way to go with our videos. So without revealing too much, like we have ideas for videos in the future and mm-hmm. people and organizations we want to work with more in the future. Um, I think continuing to um, surprise our fans and give our fans videos that um, they love, that's the number one priority with MLW. Yeah, videos are so important. Like you can do so much. That's what everything to, stems you from. Can, you can do so much to like make, um, like the game itself better, or do things like on the field that will make things better. But if you're not making good videos, nothing. You can't. That's everything stems from that. I will add this too, Jack. Um, you know we're a homegrown wiffle ball league, and we just mm-hmm. shot a series at SoFi Stadium. And you know, uh, uh, over the horizon, you could potentially be shooting videos at other stadiums. I think a huge point of emphasis for us should be to maintain the um, homegrown feel and the love of the game and to not ever forget that and to not ever forget our roots. Um, we're obviously all like a great group of friends. Like we need that, to make sure that's a point of emphasis for everybody moving forward because um, mm-hmm. that's why people love us. That's what that's what our charm is. Like we're just a homegrown wiffle ball league. We started when we were 10 years old. Stop hating on the trophy. No, no, no. Oh, the trophy. <laughs> No, that that thing's never going to change. That's a MLW <laughs> staple. But what I'm saying is, um, like it's. I know what you're saying. Like yeah. we, we definitely can't just like change up. Like I don't want ever. To you gotta know be where like, you came wow, from. Wow, the know success know I mean? got to your head. Like the videos aren't even fun to watch. Like that'll never be the case in, um, for MLW if we approach it the right way and we maintain that love for the game and the maintain la- maintain the love for our community. Um, those are huge points of that's, emphasis that's for me for moving sure. forward. That's literally like one of the biggest challenges is like how do you make your content better to keep the existing fans happy and to attract new fans? Like you see that from every, whether it's a movie franchise or a, a video game you play or a thing you watch on TV. Like you see those comments like I liked it better before. Like that's it's Stranger Things for a great everybody. example. Stranger Things season four, huge in scale. Thirty million dollars per episode, mm-hmm. and people are gonna be like, "Wow, I liked it a lot better when it was just them and their Atlanta set." And yeah, like exactly. nobody knew the show was gonna be good. Like that's just a, it's a, it's like a, a growing pain. Like you kind of have to go through that. But you, if you, you want to be more, do, more successful, like you have to keep leveling up while maintaining that love, which they do successfully. Yeah, criticism is is gonna come, but it is also important to try to not you know tear your community apart. So that's another like thing I think about a lot too, because I see stuff like on the internet when other creators do things. It's and inevitable. Then, and then fans are like, oh, I don't like this, blah, blah, blah. Yes, it does happen, but yeah. it's just, it's 
it's something you got to manage, something you got to think about. So, no doubt. I, can't, I, I had a question for Kyle that was kind of unique. I thought I wanted you to talk I, about. The, I do like that question a lot, though. Just like, mm-hmm. like, how do you balance new fans with with uh, old fans? I, you could have a whole podcast about that. You really could. You could have a whole podcast about that with like in general, like about different companies and existing organizations and stuff like that. Like that'd be something I face every day on Instagram too. It's like, what if I put a graphic up like the top ten Colts field moments? It's mm-hmm. like, okay. Fifty so, percent of our audience might not even know what Coltsfield is, yeah. And then the other mm-hmm. like fifty people be like, "Well, this is the greatest post ever." Like, because you guys don't really like talk about Coltsfield. Um, I mean, there, there was fans even I there know. was fans I saw comments. that was like, I know. "Man, they should have had the World Series at the Meadows." It's like, <laughs> what do you do with that comment? No, you know what I mean? no, in a way, that's very flattering that they love like our, no, our is, backyard feel. Um, right, but no, I just I love that topic. Mm-hmm. I wanted your uh, thoughts on the cat season. I thought it was a great season. I was going to jump in and say, when you said the Cobras had an outright title, they actually didn't. We were both 10-5. Oh, well, so, well, so that's shared to define outright title. I know, I know. But um, I was fine with our season. Um, but, you know, it ended because I wasn't able to adapt to the Preds and their prolific offense and um, Cratch's screwball. But in the offseason, um, that'll definitely be a point of emphasis is trying to beat the Preds and get over that hump. And for me and Sailor to um, diversify our arsenals and for even Pearson to, you know, develop more on the mound i think i and i could see him definitely pitching in big games in the future so how do you how do you man because obviously the wildcats are the most historic franchise in mlw they've won the most world series but and being the manager of that you know how do you balance the competitiveness that you have in wanting your team to succeed while also like giving the fans the best content. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like it for you as a competitor, if the Wildcats won the World Series every year, I'm sure you'd be happy, but that wouldn't necessarily be the best for the channel. So like how does that yeah. you know, how do you balance yeah, that? Yeah, I'm not gonna lie to you. Um being a manager, Wildcat has to take the back seat to being the MLW commissioner. So if I'm practicing ten hours a week, my pitching arsenals, that's ten hours I could be editing and the, the video, right. videos would be worse. So um, the truth of the matter is, and I'm very content with this, is that I value the the products that we're putting out and our quality of content over <laughs> how good my slider is. <laughs> like, right. seriously, Kyle's lucky that he's just really good. He just shows up. And yeah, plays yeah I don't. Good. I don't practice. I kind of just show up. We we put a lot of time into our intro. I put more time into our intro script than me actually fi- Throw, throwing your riser, throwing or <laughs> taking batting practice or. You've thrown so many at this point that it's like, That's you know. True. Like 13 years of doing this, you kind of move yeah. figure it out. But um, yeah. Kyle's like Chad Ochocinco. No stretching. He just goes out there and plays. <laughs> Living in the Iverson, locker room. He really is, man. Yeah. He really is. No, but that's the truth of the matter, and I'm very content with it. But while he competes, he's a competitor. Yeah, we're like not, we don't suck. We're 10 and 5. <laughs> went, to, went to the World Series. I had, past the cat, couple years. I had the cats going to the. I had the cats going to the World Series. Yeah, so. we'll be back, folks. We'll be it definitely back. like things can get jumbled in your head, like when you're playing in a series and like the production's going on. Um, but like it's, you have to try to compartmentalize like that versus you're at bat or like when you're pitching and that kind of stuff, which is definitely hard, but we've been doing it for so long yeah. now that it's uncomfortable, but it's the reality. Another great, sure. another great example too. When Russell hit the home run off me in Toledo, oh, if, yeah. you zoom it, if you see me like on the field, the mound, I'm like smirk. I'm like, Oh my God, that was sick. <laughs> Cause, <laughs> Cause you knew it was like, just going to be so cool. in like a, yeah. in like a, an actual stands called the ball. Um, like I just knew it'd be so good for the video. And like when those moments happen, I'm like, Oh, I know how I'm going to like score this and climax the music right there at that yeah. moment and make me look bad. Like I honestly have fun yeah. with that. I love making myself look like I'm just like, like just in like, just, you have to just embrace depressed. it. You have to just embrace it. Even like my errors <laughs> last year, like Kyle made that like funny montage of me, like with the clown yeah, music yeah. in the background. Yep. But it's like, 
It's part of the game. It's part of it comes with the job. Pred, you know I mean? For sure. Preds hitting four home runs off us in a row. I'm like, well, I better just make this make us look really bad here because there's no yep. other way I can. I don't want to just make me look like it was lucky. Like, let's just make Kyle look awful here. <laughs> so every home run, let's climax the music. Let's put a mm-hmm. let's put a, a a synth hit on it or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to think that Kyle doesn't want to win. Definitely wants to oh, win. Yeah, so, so do I. So does Dan. So does everybody involved. So it's just it's just balancing that type of thing. So. Playing against you every year, I know you want to win as well. So I can I can confirm the kid does confirm. want to win. <laughs> can confirm he's a baller. Can confirm baller. Anything else? What are you looking for us to do in twenty twenty three, Jack? Um, you know, kind of along the lines of what you guys were saying, where you're trying to do new things without changing too much at one time and without losing the feel that that got us to where we're at right so like you talking about the different things that you added in the editing like i said you know when it when i was watching it i was like oh you know that was really cool but i didn't necessarily go in my brain like oh he added that like this game or like this year but like yeah slowly mixing it in so i'm very excited to see like how you continue to evolve and how the videos, you know, continue to evolve. Um, I really personally uh, am excited that, you know, now being out of school, I should hopefully, and, and not playing lacrosse, I should hopefully have a little bit more time to show up to some of these tournaments. I went yes, to one huge. of the first beginning uh tournaments that we had one of the very first ones it might have been the first one in ohio yes. was it the first yeah, one first one night and day compared yeah. to what they are now oh i know and i and i haven't been able i just haven't you know the way life's worked out i haven't had the chance to do it and i've and i've always wanted to you know i always see the content and wish i was there so i'm really excited for that um really excited you know to like meet some more of the fans and stuff i, I really enjoyed like the I went to one of the fan fests uh, in Detroit that we had, and right. that was I could that was just that. so awesome. So, that like, awesome. I don't know. I, I'm excited to be, you know, to see that stuff grow more too, and and be able to be a little bit more involved with that. Mm-hmm. Love that. Excellent. All right, Kyle. Well, thanks for joining us. All right, appreciate, appreciate you boys. it. Yep. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, right. Kamish. Ladies and gentlemen, the Kamish. Round of applause. And now to wrap up this monumental episode of Pipe It Up, we are joined by the champs. Jimmy Norp and Jonah Heath, fellows, congratulations and thank you for joining us this evening. Um, thank you, and it's always a pleasure. Jim, Jim continues to cement his legacy into the Pipe It Up podcast as he hops on once again. Jonah, you're right there with him. I'm not going to lie. Jonah's also on quite often. Definitely a regular. Definitely a regular. For sure, for sure. But um, we already talked to the Cobras earlier, earlier tonight, fellas, and um, had a good conversation about the series. So I'll kind of leave this first question open ended as I did for Drew. Um, for you, Jimmy, just try to summarize in a few words, if you can, um, the series as a whole, the experience and and what it means to you to win back-to-back titles. Yeah. You know, I mean, to me, it's just absolutely crazy. Like three years ago, wasn't even in this league, plus playing with ball in the backyard as kids with Jonah and Shima. And now we're at SoFi Stadium winning our second ever MLW title. Like it's crazy. This whole year as a whole has probably just been my year in the league in general, getting to know everybody a little bit better. I feel like I got really close to a lot of the guys in the league, that kind of thing. And to wrap it all up, it's so with another title. It was just icing on the cake. Congratulations. Congratulations. You guys haven't been in existence as a team for very long. But, Jonah, when is it too early to call the Diamondbacks a dynasty? I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. Tell me, like, how early is early, you know? I think 
rather than time to tell, I think it's like the achievements will tell when a team is a dynasty. And you tell me how many teams have two rings and how many teams have won back to back. So, I mean, got him. I don't, that, that's an open, <laughs> open ended answer right there. Oh, that's that's how Love you gotta it. answer it. It's the best way to answer it. And it is definitely impressive, not only from a talent standpoint, just you know having the, the capabilities to win two championships in a row or two championships in a short period of time, for that matter. But the theme I've been saying over the past several weeks now has been executing. And you guys have done just that. Um, whenever your backs are against the wall, you've made the plays you needed to, you stepped up when you needed to, made the pitches you needed to. And as a group, I've really done that. It wasn't, yes, Jimmy has had probably the most you know, iconic moments in the last two seasons. But in last year's World Series, we saw Michael Shima deliver the big hit. When your backs were against the wall against the Eagles this year, Jonah, it was you who stepped up. In the NLCS in the marathon game, Michael Shima again delivers the knock, and then Jimmy gets the big hit in game three. It just seems like whenever there's two guys down, there's always somebody stepping up, and I think a lot of that's due to your chemistry. Um, and it's been it's been fun to watch. I think for everybody involved whether you're a player in mlw if you're a fan of mlw i'm sure your family and friends feel the same way just watching you guys play as a group has been incredible and i've never seen a response from the fans the way that i see fans talk about you guys in such a positive light and just how much fun they have watching you guys play the game so thank you very nice you say means a lot so obviously you know going back to back is something that hasn't been done uh very many times in this league definitely not by a lot of different teams but um your world series against the cobras was a little bit different than that against the wildcats uh in terms of the outcome and the length of it but just like over the course of the season um what do you think what was the main like the biggest factor for you guys that allowed you to actually repeat because you could easily say, well, it was the same, it was the same squad, but, um, if, you know, if you're not getting better, then you're kind of getting worse. Some would say, you know, whatever the saying is something like that. So like, what, what do you think is the biggest factor you guys would say that like led you to be able to repeat? Yeah, I think I would just say it comes down to like three main things for us, defense, clutch hitting, and never really giving up on ourselves. I mean, one thing you said, like, this World Series was completely different than last year. And one thing I was super proud of was the way Jonah and Shima really stepped up this year. I mean, there's a ton of situations where last year in the World Series, I was just getting walked and walked constantly. But this year, the Cobras could never really do that, you know, because if you walked me, you got Jonah right behind me who's already hit two bombs in the series, and he's hot. He's seen the ball well. And even Michael Shima, where the results weren't there till game three, but he was constantly putting the ball in play, hitting everything hard. So I think that was a big difference from this year to last just World Series-wise, was really just those two guys stepping up. Like, there's a lot of situations on camera where it was like fans might have been like, why are they not walking North right now? But it's like they really couldn't, you know, because Jonah and Shima took huge steps this year, and that was awesome to see. I was definitely wondering that, kind of watching um, why they weren't walking you, because I thought um, it, it – it seemed at times to work, you know, last year, like the Wildcats were doing it for a reason and it got them through some games. Um, but you're right. I'm sure even some of the at bats where we didn't see Jonah or Shima get hits, you know, those pitches that they're following off um, and just like their overall approach in the box 
Like I, I'd have to guess that was in the back of the Cobra's pitchers' minds. Like, and Drew obviously being the manager, you know why we can't walk Jimmy. But you make him pay, Jim. Right? If they if they're not going to do it, you know you got to make him pay. And, and speaking of make him pay, um, there are a couple different things I wanted to shed light on in today's conversation. Um, first and foremost, being that game two home run that you had, Jimmy, that really put the whole series upside down. I mean, I, I, I remember like in the moment, I don't know why Jim, cause you've done it time and time again, but there's just certain things in sports that always shock you, whether sometimes like you're expecting the big player, the, the walk-off home run or whatever. And sometimes it just totally hits you out of left field. And that moment with me being so fo- focused on filming the series and all the logistics of SoFi stadium, when you hit that homer, like my whole world was flipped over. I was like, Oh my gosh, now the D-backs lead 2-0. Like in my head, it was already Cobra's 1-1. It was already 1-1 in the series. So um, what I wanted to ask you about this at bat, Jim, is if I think you've been seeing as well on TikTok, I kind of did a deep dive on these things and discussed your approach. Um, Now, of course, I'm sort of pulling at strings there, you know, viewing the last pitch of every at bat and creating content out of that. But how real was what I said with you you know, sitting on the riser and hunting risers against Baranowski, and how much did that play a part in hitting that walk-off home run? Yes, so you're you're 100% right, Tom. I was definitely hunting a riser, like I said in my post-game interview. I think one thing that was really unfortunate for the Cobras is this was one of the only series of the year where Baranowski really just didn't have his drop ball going, right? And most guys don't like to throw me sliders because anything inside where I can get pull my hands in, I got the quick hands, is normally not good either. So a lot of times guys will try to pitch me low and away. Baron threw a riser, and it was low and away. But I did a pretty good job of just staying on the ball and poking it over the right field fence. So, I mean, I had a really good approach against Barron. I think all three of us did. I think we're a tough matchup for him. Just the pitches he throws is what we kind of like to hit. And so, fortunately for us, like it was just a good pitch by him, but a good swing by me is all I could really say about it. And yeah, definitely probably the craziest uh, at-bat of my MLW career for sure. That was an unreal moment, and I'll never forget it. So, speaking about um, approach – uh, after that home run, you had some words for the Cobras as you were rounding the bases. And uh, we spoke to Drew earlier on this on this podcast, and um, he kind of gave us some more insight as to what you were really talking about. But um, we'd like to also kind of hear your side of the story and like where that came from, where you were, you know, kind of saying like um, it was something like, you know, want to keep playing like that or something like that uh i'm not exactly i don't remember exactly but if you want to just kind of shed some light onto what that was about yeah so what i was really referring to is so this one me and drew will probably never really agree on but so in game two the only pitch i really had working was my slider no drop no screwball nothing really working and so what drew and sawyer did and i'm assuming drew told sawyer to do was they kind of moved all the way in to crowd the plate and all the way up in the box. So every time I threw my slider, instead of it breaking into the strike zone, it would just break right into their arm. It wouldn't really hit them. And what you can say is, you know, there's nothing against the rules that really says that. So in their defense, it's legal, that kind of thing. But I just think it was kind of, you know, bush league is what I would call what a, it. What a great if I'm term. Only what a great one term. Pitch and it's a slider. Why are you letting it hit you? If you know, <laughs> if you, if, if you know my slider's coming and that's the only thing I'm throwing you, why not try to hit that hard somewhere? Like that's my as a hitter. If I know a pitcher's only got one pitch, but I mean, I guess when I take it as a compliment, like if you can't hit my slider and you'd rather it hit you, go ahead. But I thought it was kind of a bush league move, and I know people say, well, in baseball, guys crowd the plate all the time. But my response to that would be, baseball and a wiffle ball, 
they move a lot differently. And if you're going to crowd the plate, you could completely just take the horizontal movement out of wiffle ball. I mean, you look at other pitchers in the league, you could do it to everybody. Dan throws his slider up in the box and crowd the plate. Dan slider's going to hit me every time. Cratchit slider's going to hit me every time. For lefties, Cratch throws his screwball. It's going to hit them every time. If Kyle throws his rising ball, it's going to hit them every time. So that kind of thing. And I guess when you're struggling that much at the plate, like the Cobras did, they were looking for any answer to beat us and beat me on the mound. And unfortunately it didn't work for them. So I'm glad that they weren't able to beat us that way. No, I think I, I acknowledge. So Drew gave us the same answer, of course. And I acknowledge it from both perspectives. I really do. Like I was telling Drew, like, you know, I see why you did it. There's nothing against the rules in it. And you're trying to win the game, do whatever you kind of get on base. But I also understand your frustration completely because like you said, there's a lot of guys who don't have that approach to play and that kind of thing. So I think both guys have fair frustrations. I think from a competitive standpoint, there's a reason to do it for Drew and there's a reason for you to be upset about it, right? So I, I thought it was interesting. I think a lot of the fans were curious, so I'm glad we got to um, talk about that on this on this show. Yeah. And I mean, there's just like other guys in the league, like whenever I face like a Jordan Robles, you know, it's like he won't even be close to crowding the plate or anything like that. And I'll throw a pitch and like, oh, did I lean into that? It's like, no way, man. So it's just like, if you're a good hitter, hit the wiffle ball when you know what's coming. Like, just hit it. <laughs> but they couldn't do that, I guess. That's that's what I was telling Drew is I, I think a lot a lot of guys in this league um, sit slider. Like, they want to hit sliders because it sometimes can be easier than seeing a, a drop or a riser. So, um, like, I even did that big time starting this year. Kyle Schultz does it. Uh, Jim, you kind of are a bit open. Jordan Robles big time. So it's just a different playing style. And you knowing that Cobras are going to fight the way they do and the Cobras are always kind of a scrappy team who will do what they can to get the wins, it doesn't surprise me. And I also feel your pain as a pitcher because, yes, you can like just kind of adjust the slider to make it move less, but I've been there so many times where I throw sliders to righties when I used to be dominant and I'd get so mad, like, oh, that would have been a strike. And like it used to frustrate me so much, so I feel for you. I, def- I can definitely see both sides. I think that's... You know, one one side could argue, well, you know, it's within the rules, it's strategy, we're doing what we can to win. And the other side's like, you know, we're playing a game that requires skill here, so try to use some skill. Um, so I see both sides. But moving on to uh, game three, um, Jonah, you got the start in game three. I must say, watching as a fan, I, I kind of thought um, – Jimmy that you were just going to keep rolling uh so I wanted to hear from Jonah like I don't have the um all the statistics right in front of me but I I don't think your stats this year were um as effective you you weren't as effective on the mound as you were last year as a pitcher um I don't think that was really like a secret and you didn't pitch as much this year but game three to win the world series you know your manager calls your name um, like what's running through your head as you're stepping onto the mound for that game three? It's pretty comfortable just knowing that we had that like comfortable lead there too. No. And, you know, if Jimmy's calling on me, I know that he's got confidence in me too. So I wasn't too worried, but I think same thing as all year. Like I was just fighting to throw strikes. I feel like the ball was never working in my favor. It was, you know, it was inconsistent. It was rising three feet. It was staying flat it was sliding it was cutting back like I feel like I was battling against the ball all year and it just really wasn't going in my favor so just kind of staying consistent has been hurting me but you know I was fine going out there and I think first two innings I was fine it showed and then the ball started to kind of get away from me again and I think in like a regular game I'd probably stay in and try and 
finish that. But in a situation like that, I'm totally fine giving the ball over to Jimmy and letting him just take care of business. There's no point in trying to push our luck there. What was the main thought process for you, Jimmy, uh, to go with Jonah as opposed to yourself in that game three with the World Series on the line? Yeah, so there was definitely a couple of factors going into it, not going to lie. One of them was just, you know, the Cobras crowding the plate thing. I figured if I throw a lefty out there, they can't crowd him, that kind of thing. But also, being up 2-0, I figured if there was ever a game four Jonah to pitch in this series, it would have been game three because, say, I pitch game three and we lose. Now I feel like I got to go game four. And if we lose game four, obviously I got to go again game five. So I felt like that was the one game that I was very comfortable giving the ball to Jonah. And then the last biggest thing, and this was probably the biggest factor, one, I know Jonah can pitch in the World Series. He pitched better than me in the World Series last year, honestly, in my opinion. He's the reason, well, a huge factor of why we won in 2021. But also, the Cobras haven't seen a lefty in this league in who knows how long. <laughs> yeah. Jonah has never, Jonah's never pitched against the Cobras, so they've never faced Jonah, and he's the only lefty in the league right now. So honestly, I really don't know. Many of those guys, like Sawyer definitely hasn't faced a lefty in MLW. Uh, Flynn probably has never faced a lefty in MLW, and Drew was probably like 2019 or 2018. So just throwing off with a different arm slot or a different, a different, like a left-handed pitcher, I thought was a good idea. And Jonah threw the ball well, like you said. He just unfortunately lost control in the third inning. But that first inning, I was super confident, man, for that because he looked the best he'd looked all year. Yeah, he was definitely battling. There were a few pitch by pitch uh, edits that Kyle threw in there, where <laughs> you know Jonah started the started 3-0 and battled all the way back. I mean, those were pretty incredible. Um, and I think it just says a lot about uh, your management style, Jimmy, but also just your team as a whole um, with the with a chance to win the World Series and put it away. You know, you go to your number two guy who maybe hasn't got the most innings under his belt this year or thrown the ball the way he liked, but, you know, you showed confidence in him in that spot. And I think that's what kind of, you know, makes your team great in those situations, right? Like you guys all trust each other, you know, you're going to have each other's backs. Um, so I really, you know, commend you guys for that. I think that comes out in the video a lot. And, uh, obviously, you know, the decision paid off. You ended up going in finishing the game, finishing the game off. But I think Jonah, you know, the first two innings were more than serviceable and uh, was able to get the job done. Uh, I got to ask, boys, um, back-to-back titles, it's impressive. hasn't been done in several years in this league. But the journeys were very different. You know, last year you came in, heavy favorites into the postseason, took care of business. You never lost a series in the 2021 season. And this year, the MLW world was kind of shocked with the start that you had to this season, starting 2-7 and seven before the break. So just kind of comparing and contrasting those two years, I want to know from you two just, you know, which journey did you enjoy more? What do you think was a more memorable season for you guys? Honestly, I'll probably say this year was a lot more memorable just because, like, <clears throat> there wasn't as many big moments. So, like, last year I feel like everything was just so sick and surreal. Like, it always happened. One was, like, you know, we kind of went, we did it, it was over with. But, like, this year it was, like, an uphill battle and, like, you know – winning the series against the Eagles and stuff for like each playoff series is like so monumental because like no one thought we were going to do it. Like everyone was against us, like whatever. So I think it was like so much more like valuable and like it meant more to us or at least to me, like they were kind of going against the grain and like, you know, people didn't think we were going to do it, but we were able to overcome it and do it anyways. Like I think that definitely made more of a mark on myself. Like it was just cooler to do it this year when no one expected it. 
Yeah, I'd probably have to agree with them. I mean, from this year, it felt like from the third series of the year on, we were playing playoff series. You know, we came into that Gator series one and five, and it felt like if we lose there, our season's over. And obviously we did lose that series, but then still find a way to sneak in. So I think that kind of helped us when it came to the playoffs. So we were already playing playoff type games, games that we needed to win for sure. I mean, another huge factor about what I love this year is I've said this a lot, but it really meant a lot to win this year with Trey and Casey who we didn't have last year. Like those guys have fit right into our team and they're like our little D-back family. It's been so cool having them on the bench and it's going to be awesome to see them get more playing time next year, that kind of thing. And just everybody, everybody loves a good underdog story. And it's, it was cool to see like all the comments, everybody like D-backs are done. D-backs aren't making the playoffs, that kind of thing. And then when we're in the playoffs at five and 10, still like nobody giving us really a shot, that kind of thing. And then for us to just win it in that kind of fashion was pretty awesome. <laughs> it was fun to watch. For sure. So interestingly on that note, you guys use some specific verbiage in your, you know, response there. Like I think Jimmy just said underdogs and uh Jonah, you know, talking about people like counting the diamondbacks out. And Drew actually wanted us to ask about your guys's mantra this year, he said, which was the the why not us type thing. Um and, you know, you guys should go back, obviously, and listen to what he said on the podcast. But um, he, he, he was kind of saying, you know, like you guys were the favorites like going into the year. And although it didn't like start out great, you know, the expectation was already kind of set there. So um, he was, I guess, a little bit confused as to like why, you know, that was your guys' mantra. And even you guys talking about it, it seems like you felt like underdogs. Um, so... I don't know, like, do you have any sort of, like, comment on that about, like, how, how that became, you know, your guys' like, philosophy on the year? <laughs> well, first of all, I started hashtag why not us for us before the season started, as in why not us to go back to back. That was the original motto behind it. But then once we were 5-10 and 10 going into the playoffs, it's like, why not us? Because we're 5-10 and 10 and now we kind <laughs> of are the underdogs, so why not us? I don't know why <laughs> you're so worried about that, but uh, I guess... I will say this, going into the World Series this year, I did feel like a favorite. I'm not just saying that. I think it's kind of it's weird because to me, I feel like the fans thought that we were the underdog this year in the World Series when I thought we were the favorites. And actually last year, I feel like the fans probably thought we were the favorites, but us going up against the Wildcats, I actually thought we were kind of the underdogs mm-hmm. just because Kyle's got all the experience and Kyle and Saylor, both great years last year. So it's kind of weird how that worked out. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know why Drew... <laughs> worried about that just, too much. He's just but a curious guy. He's just a curious guy, that Drew Davis. Yeah. He is. He is. Hey, why not you guys? You guys, you kind of proved what I already knew, which is you're a great group, a great team, um, very capable of winning the big games. And on this show repeatedly throughout the season, I kept saying that you'd be there and you'd pull it off again. I, I also said the same thing about the Wildcats, though, and they ran into a really good Preds team at the wrong time, unfortunately. but. What you guys have done, like I said, it's just been, you can't deny the talent. I mean, we've seen several different champions in this league over the last couple of years. And there's a reason no one's repeated. Because wiffle ball is a game that requires the buzzword, ding, 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 execution. And you guys have done it time and time again. So congratulations and enjoy it. Enjoy the love from the fans. You guys have been getting a lot of it. And I hope you guys enjoyed being a part of the experience. What was your favorite part of the SoFi trip? The, the LA trip. What did you guys like the most of that? What was the most memorable? 
I think our uh, our fun little night in Hollywood was a good time. We got to see like the <laughs> walk of fame, get some some all you can eat Taco Tuesday, and you know it was just fun to kind of go hang out with all the guys and just you know we weren't too worried about the games or whatever at the moment. We were just kind of enjoying like we were kind of soaking it in. Like we were there, we were across the country for wiffle ball. Like we were just gonna have some fun. It was just nice to you know do something different for once. Yeah, I'd probably pretty much agree with that. That night was pretty cool and pretty special. That and then obviously just throwing strike three and having the boys. Oh, I should have addressed that. It's a pretty Jim, cool feeling. I was happy you struck out Drew because we had yeah. the World Series end on a walk-off like three years in a row. <laughs> so it was cool to see uh, you know, a pitcher strike somebody out or get the last out in the field. I don't know why, but I was, I was happy to see that this year because it was starting to seem kind of fishy. It was like, why does this league keep ending in walk-offs? Are you okay, though, Jimmy? I have to ask because that was a very aggressive. I know that happened a while ago now, but that was an aggressive dog pile. Dude, I I was turning around to, like, greet Jonah and Shima, and before I could even finish turning halfway, I got Casey hitting me high and Trey hitting me low. <laughs> and I'm not I'm not a big guy. Those guys took me down pretty quick, man. It didn't take long to get me down, but it was it was all worth it. I can promise I don't, you that. I, think I don't know if they can do it again next year. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if it was you or someone else on the ground, but I think at one point Shima actually like jumps in the air and basically John Cena just like elbow spears who's ever on the ground. Like it was intense. Rightfully so, but it was intense. It was awesome. At least it was the soft SoFi turf. Um, That was pretty special. And just the the shots of the confetti (laughs) were cool. And all in all, it was a great it was a great trip. It was a great experience. And um. I was just happy for you guys. You know, I was obviously I was bummed that we lost you guys and um, it stunk being a mallard for that day. But overall, you backs are a great group of guys and it was cool to see them win again for sure. So with that, I think I can leave it at that. Um, anything else you want to say, Jim, to the fans, to pipe it up listeners? Oh, just to the D-back fans who never gave up, never lost hope, stayed with us throughout the whole year. We appreciate you. It's been it's been a crazy ride, and we can't do it without the fans, obviously. We're not in so far without the fans, so appreciate all you guys for sure. Absolutely. All right, well, thank you, fellas, for joining us, and thank everybody for tuning in this week to this jam-packed episode. Guys, stay tuned Thursday, Friday for the Black Friday slash Cyber Monday holiday sale. There will be a code. All apparel will be on sale, and we're adding several new items to the site, so stay tuned for that. And little teaser, there will be a signed ball from the D-backs Big 3 as well, so that'll be a new signed product on the website. So. Check that out on MLWmerch.com. Signing off for now. Have a good Thanksgiving, guys. See ya.